Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have an amazing guest on because a lot of people talk about starting a business and law firms are no different where they start a law firm. But what they don't always do is really understand the business side of running a law firm. So I have Jordan Ostrinoff on and I am excited. So stay tuned for the conversation. So without further ado, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I don't know what was better, the uh, the way you were able to spin my bio so well or that video. That was awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And also, I love the photo that's behind you. That, that's, that's an amazing photo. Thank you. I uh, I got it on a cruise. I was actually on one of those like islands that they take cruise ships to, and a guy was painting it. And I was like, that's awesome. How much is that? And he gave me a price that was way lower than I expected. So he got the wow. money, and I got the great picture. Wow, that is awesome. You know what? I've taken a couple cruises and I've seen the paintings. And I'm just like, I've I wondered, like, who buy those paintings? But I guess Jordan is the guy that does it. <laughs> and the cool part is, so I'm, I'm from Florida. So we went on the cruise, you know, within 40 minutes. So like they didn't even have to take it off and I didn't have to get it rehung. I just grabbed the entire thing and stuck it in like the corner of our really tiny room for the rest of the three or four days and then took it off the boat. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. So Jordan, now before we jump into, you know, talking about the details of your business, tell us a little bit about your background so the audience can kind of get to know who is Jordan. Sure. How far back do you want me to go? Um, let's start with since I know that you're a lawyer and you, you work in, in, in so let's start with what led you to actually become a lawyer, kind of sure. around that range. So I have wanted to be a lawyer for as long as I can remember, and I have no idea why, and there are no lawyers in my family. And so I ended up having the opportunity in sixth grade to job shadow a judge because his mother was in a retirement home with my grandmother. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I still had no idea what it really meant to be a lawyer. And then I went to UCF and I was on the, on the mock trial team. And I was like, oh, you just argue with people and try to convince them that you're right. That's what I did my entire life anyway. And so it was sort of meant to be. And then I became a lawyer and hated it. And now I run a law firm without really being a lawyer and run a marketing company for lawyers. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I think that that is so interesting because, you know, when people think about, you know, what they want to do, oftentimes I, I get the sense that most people don't really know what's really involved. So as you were going through law school, do you feel like it really prepared you for like, hey, this is what being a lawyer is going to be like? Not, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, I will tell you, do so I did mock trial at UCF in undergrad. I did mock trial at Berrien Law School. That was super helpful. Like literally, I was a prosecutor straight out. They're like, these are your 200 cases. One of them set for trial in 20 minutes. Go have fun. And I had no idea how to do jury selection. But other than that, I knew the rest of it. I knew evidence. I knew openings, closings, whatever. So that part was helpful. But in terms of actual school, like you are taught such ivory tower theoretical academia and then you get into practice and you're like none of these cases still apply so we'll make it work <laughs> you know it's good to know because i kind of felt you know somewhat that way when it came down to like my field of accounting and finance where like you know when you're in school you learn like the biggest companies in the world and the case studies from those scenarios and then when you get into the real world, you're like, you know, none of my clients actually fit that persona <laughs> at all. 
Yep. That, uh, and, and so in law, like, it's not even, it's not even that in law school. Cause it's not like, Oh my God, you're talking about the current litigation between Apple and Epic games, or whatever. This was like in the 1760s, they had this issue in England and falling off on horseback in a drunken DUI buggy. And you're like, none of that stuff even exists. Well, I guess it exists. Nobody even uses that stuff anymore. <laughs> So it was like a totally different concept when they're like, oh, now there are cars and there's computers and there's technology. Like we didn't learn those. They gave us books and told us to look in books. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So now what was it actually like for you? Like I said, when you actually got out there and started practicing law, like what was that experience and kind of when did you have that aha moment that it's like, you know what? I don't know if I want to be a practicing lawyer, um, but I do want to be involved with law. So like I started out as a state attorney, like I talked about, I did that for over three years. I never had that moment there. You were in the courtroom almost every day. You're litigating cases. Um, I would have anywhere from, I don't know, 50 to 500 cases at one time. And they're all very similar, similar charges, similar crimes. And we had, and I had an amazing boss and an amazing supervisor and everything. So we had a ton of freedom to like actually do justice. I, I mean, Maybe people listening to this will disagree who went against me as the defense attorneys, but like I felt like we had the opportunity to get rid of the stupid cases. And at some point, I realized I didn't want the next spot that would have been up to sex crime. So all of your cases are sex offenses. And I had talked to so many people that got burned out because like it weighs on you really easily. Uh, and so I was like, all right, well, let me you know switch over to opening up my own firm. My wife was a public defender. She'll fill me in on that stuff. She ended up, we ended up opening the firm together. She ended up joining me uh, about eight months later. Um, and it was then. So once I actually had to pay bills, once I actually had to figure out hiring, once I actually had to figure out systems, once I actually had to figure out like all the business side of it, that's when I was like, I think the lawyer stuff is going away because I need to learn this entire new concept of business. Gotcha. You know, and I think that is, is a very interesting point because the number of entrepreneurs that I have talked to and number of business owners of different sizes is like they always started off like, hey, this was my technical field. I was doing it. I started a business in my technical field. And then it's like, oh, man, like I actually have to learn how to run a business in my technical field. So what was that journey like? I mean, because I'm, I'm guessing like most lawyers you weren't trained to run a law firm. You were trained to practice law. So what was it like kind of making that mental switch? So I, I think the easiest way to answer that is through a story that I have. So connected with a great financial advisor, thankfully had you know some amount of money and continue to put stuff away for retirement. He connected me with a business consultant. Really, it was somebody who had partially retired. And this guy had been the CFO for some Fortune 500 companies had worked with all like these gigantic companies and corporations and had such a great experience. And so like I picked the guy's brain on some questions. And I remember there was one where I was like, hey, this is what's coming up. Like, how would you handle this? And he's like, oh, we would spend probably $2 million putting together a focus group to go through this and run that through. And then we'd cross-reference that with the marketing department to make sure they were running the right people to the focus group and yada, yada, yada. So like, what's your budget to solve this problem? And I was like, 12 bucks. I don't know. <laughs> and like, that's the reality of it. You know, you can sit here and look at how, who knows what kind of business is going to work. But from the lawyer perspective in 48 out of the 50 States, you can't have non-lawyer ownership. So you can't really like raise capital and raise funding. So most people are opening the firm with nothing or with a credit card they can max out or with, 
you know, a couple of cases coming from their prior firm. And now it's like, hey, learn all this business stuff with no money, also handle these cases and also spend time to get more cases so you don't go broke. And it just, I, I take my hat off to anybody who could do it because I never could by myself. Gotcha. You know, I think that that's a, a very interesting point because, you know, when you decided to start your law firm, did anybody give you a heads up to like, hey, this is what it's really like to actually have a law firm? So I will, t- I have to take my hat off to the Orlando legal community. We have a phenomenal legal community that truly cares about each other for the most part, especially from the criminal defense side. So even being a prosecutor, I had 20 or 30 people who sat me down who are former prosecutors or not, who opened their own criminal defense firm coming out of the PD's office or a larger firm, whatever. And they really gave me the reality of the practice of it. So this is what, you know, this is the hardest thing to change when you leave the state attorney's office. This is the biggest thing I had to learn on day one as a criminal defense attorney. This is, you know, the tweaks and how you look at cases. I did not ask or they did not offer or both the business side of that part. Like we talked about the legal side. We talked about the lawyer shift. We talked about the mindset shift. We talked about a lot of that stuff, but I didn't know enough to ask like, well, what about, what do you do for payroll? What do you do? You know, what, what insurance do you need? When do you have to get workers comp? Where do you have to have, you know, somebody told me about uh, getting my business certificate for Orlando and Orange County. Cause we were in the city. We had to get both. Like that was the extent of the business information was the one thing truly needed to actually open a practice. Um, and then I learned a lot of those lessons the hard way over and over and over again, because uh, I didn't ask anybody. You know, and it's very interesting how it's like those, those little things that are, probably applicable to just about every business of your, you know, that similar to yours, like every law firm is going to have to go through this. I always find it, I scratch my head at times. I'm like, you know what, why isn't it easier to find out this information that all of us have to go through? It's like, it's almost like we, like the people who have done it, it it was just such a, a small part that it's like, it just doesn't come up in conversation. I always wonder like, why is that the case? Yeah, well, I think it's, I don't, I, I think it's an issue. I want to take it from the standpoint of like truly being helpful to people because I, I think that we oftentimes get caught up, at least from law, in this like, we have a moral obligation to our work and, you know, we are helping people through their biggest time of need and yada, yada, yada along those lines that we lose sight of the fact that like if it's not a business, we close down, we go find another job. We can't, you know, we can't take this case pro bono. We can't help this person cheaply through their problem. We can't give out free advice. If we can't keep food on the table, we can't keep the lights on and our bills paid. And so I really truly think that so many of the people I talk to who have that genuine want to help and that genuine want to give back wanted to make sure that I was caught up on the profession side, not so much on the business side, because like, eh, we figure it out, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Gotcha. Now, for yourself, like as you kind of navigated, you said some of that stuff you learned the hard way. Were there any other resources that you kind of found along the way that helped you kind of start learning some of those lessons in a less harder way than others? No. And, and I say that like they're out there. There's a ton of them and I'll talk about some of them. But like ultimately for me, because I'm uh, stubborn, I guess is the nice way to put it. I had to get like out of the frying pan into the fire, out of the fire into the larger fire, out of the fire into the dumpster fire. Like at that point, then I was like, 
wait, people wrote books about running a law firm. Like there are things you can read. There are groups, there are coaches, there are people you can talk to about it. Like I, I had to be so far down the rabbit hole and so financially strapped to finally be like, maybe I should listen to somebody else. So that was me. And hopefully people learn from that issue and can avoid it by getting good information quicker than making the mistake and backtracking. Yeah, I should. But, you know, one of those things that I find it like they're there because I completely agree with you in some some respects. I feel like some of the things that I've learned about my business, like, you know, I don't know if I would have listened if it wasn't the hard way. It's like something like I, I like there's some areas where it's like I was like, OK, I, I can listen to other people and I can learn. There's some lessons I'm just like it was like the harshness of learning the lesson that really made it sink in for me. To where I think that's one of those amazing things about, you know, the entrepreneurial journey is that, you know, it, like you really can, I guess it's like some stuff, some people do learn the hard way. Some stuff people do learn, I guess you say, kind of by learning from others. Now, I will say one area for me that I really, really could not learn the hard way because I, like, I didn't know where to start is when it comes down to marketing. So for yourself, as you started looking at, you know, like I said, with law firms and you know, you help law firms in the area of marketing. Like, how did that start to become like a light bulb for you or what interests you about getting into that? So I was unintentionally successful to turn myself quickly into intentionally unsuccessful. And by that, I mean, like I came up to Orlando to go to UCF. I stayed here for law school. I was a prosecutor here. I opened my firm here. So at the point that I launched my firm, I had been here for shoot, uh, nine years and I had been working with people that like were now attorneys, not just attorneys in town, but had been attorneys in town for a while. Some of them were judges, you know, they had worked their way through the, through the area. And so like I had better connections than I really thought about, but I didn't know what to do with those. So like I was able to just kind of, and I don't even want to say it from the point of like using somebody, but like I was able to generate cases from people but not knowing who my ideal client was, not knowing what sort of stuff I really wanted to handle, not knowing what questions to ask them or who to ask them to connect me to or what I could do for them that would really be helpful. So once I had those cases in, I was like, cool, now I'll hire a marketing company. I'll give them this money and then like this will be even better. And it wasn't. And some of it was the marketing companies, the number of varying marketing companies' faults. Some of it was my fault. Some of it was a lack of business knowledge. Some of it was a lack of knowing my ideal client of having the systems of having a sales process in place, et cetera. And so at that point I ended up $200,000 in debt on just my firm, not law school, not a mortgage, not anything else, because I kept kind of chasing this idea that I could pay somebody else to do this and add this to me and help me through it. Um, and then from there, I really broke down when my wife told me that she was pregnant with our kid. Cause I was super happy, but both of us were working 70 to 80 hour weeks. We were scraping by, we weren't making much money. And I was like, we've got two options. You know, I can close down the firm. We could file for bankruptcy, whatever. And we could go find other jobs or we could really figure out like what's wrong. And so I met, um, I had known, but really connected with Greg Eisenberg, who's my business partner on Legalese Marketing. And he was like, you're a moron in a very nice, responsible <laughs> way. Like you totally skip marketing 101. Like here you are driving like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in referrals, but with no idea why or how or what to do with them. And so like we went through and changed those things. And he talked me through like almost every ad campaign I tried, why it didn't work. Like we were trying to target, you know, newer offenders at who would have an issue at college at UCF where I went. 
as well as having a criminal issue. But then we were buying leads that were targeting, you know, a, a, the bad part of town that wasn't those people. And we were buying family law leads when neither of us wanted to do family law. And like, he really walked me through <laughs> where we made all these mistakes and we, we tweaked it like on the fly. You know, I cut the marketing budget from, it was like $120,000 a year down to nothing. My firm made $5,000 less. Like, so that was $115,000 more in profit off of the same stuff. And then all of my friends that I had been connecting with and we had been masterminding with and talking with each other were like, how did you go from bitching about your firm over and over again to bragging about your firm? And I was like, <laughs> these things like marketing 101, like it's right here. And so they were like, well, can you help us? And I was like, I don't know, let's find out. <laughs> and so that was 2018 into 2019. And turns out, yes, like not that I'm a big fan of, we all have different answers but I have the right questions for people that they can then get the right answers for. And so it wasn't like this works for me. It's going to work for you. It's this is why this worked for me. This is my thought process behind it. Follow the same thought process for your client. Um, and it clicked and it worked. And so then in 2020, we officially rolled it out having, I don't know, six or eight clients um, on day one to, for legalese marketing. And we've been helping firms now directly or indirectly. I mean, I try to post genuinely helpful stuff on social media so people can avoid the same mistakes for free without having to, you know, pay us. Um, and so it's been great. Awesome. You know, I, I absolutely love that. I mean, because, you know, something that you don't really hear a lot of people talking about, like that you mentioned was, you know, at, at a time where you had this amazing network, but you really didn't know how to actually get the value from the network that you have. And I find that, that, I don't really hear that many people talking about that. Like you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you know, you need to network, you need to meet these people. It's like, what do you do for those people who you have all the connections? You just have no idea what to do with it. So I, I think that's that that is a a subject matter that I think a lot of people probably find themselves in, but since no one talks about it, they never actually look at it that way. And I'll give you the quick, my quick answer for what it's worth. It's you make it about them. It's give, give, give. It's provide value to them. It's connect them with as many people as you can that will help them. It's share the information with them that they need to be better at their job. And you will get people that will take advantage of you 100%. But you, the people that are like you, the people that have that same genuine abundance mindset, caring attitude, et cetera, will double down on going out of their way for you twice as much. And then you go out of your way for them four times as much. And they go out of their way for you eight times as much. And it's crazy. Like there are people now that we are every week trying to like one up each other, <laughs> helping the other person, like not a, Hey, I just bought this, but like, you need to connect with so-and-so like they're dealing with the same people. Like, okay, well you need to connect with these two people. I'm like, all right, well you need to connect with these three people. And like, it's such a funny competition because ultimately everybody wins. I win. They win. The people we connect each other with wins. The clients that get passed from that wins. Like it's just, it's a great way to look at it. And it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm not sitting here like, well, so-and-so sends me a bunch of business, but they're an a-hole. I'm like, so-and-so sends me a bunch of business and they're awesome. And I genuinely enjoy spending time with them and our kids like each other. And we can go out and, you know, do fun stuff whenever COVID's over and whatnot. And it's just been a totally different shift to happiness which then for me seems to drive business success better, plus keeps me happier. No, I think that's a great point because I, I, can, I can echo that as well. Like it's been so much more fun when you start finding people you can win with as opposed to people you can win over. 
And it's just like, I was like, you know what? This actually is a much better and different way to look at it. And, and speaking of the marketing and the giving piece, um, can you tell us a little bit more about, like you mentioned about you know, sharing content, um, like what are the platforms people can find you on and what can they expect when they see your content come up there? Sure. Uh, easiest thing on Instagram, I'm lawyer with a life on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm Jordan Ostrock. There's only two of us in the world. The other dude's a really good salesperson in Boston because he gets a ton of job offers. So if he's your employee, dude, he is killing it. Um, I'm the one who's the lawyer with the beard and there aren't that many other of us. So I think that'll be sufficient to find us. And really like my whole plan on, on LinkedIn is to try and help firms grow to the part where they've got about $500,000 a year coming in. Not profit, but gross revenue. Because that's the time where you can really start investing that in a good marketing company in the right way, having you know five thousand dollars a month to go on two or three different campaigns instead of just kind of throwing all your eggs in one basket and hoping it sticks. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Now, if people are looking to do business with you, there are law firms out there that are like, hey, you know what? I I I love what he's saying. I really need some help in this area. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, LegalEaseMarketing.com. That's E A S E. Started out as a giant dad joke. If you follow me, trust me, I will make a ton of dad jokes. Uh, that is my thing. So we thought the legalese ESE becoming EASE would be funny. But then truly we realized that we are translating. So we are taking your lawyer knowledge, translating it to marketing knowledge, translating it back for you, and then translating the whole thing into normal human speak. And it's been like really funny to see that process play out in a way that is helpful from SEO, but also helpful for a specific person, but also helpful for the lawyer, you know, to learn more about their own practice. And so it's been a really fun, unintended consequence of our name being legalese. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, Jordan, before we wrap up, one of the questions that I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think about kind of the journey that you've been on, you think about kind of where you've been, you know, what's two final pieces of advice that you would share with other business owners? Something I've already talked about or two new things or both, can, it doesn't you, matter. You can reiterate something that you've already talked about. Like, right. What are two things you would call their attention to? One, the most important thing. Like literally, I might just say this one twice for both of them. You have to know your ideal client. You have to know your ideal client. Who are you truly trying to get in front of? Whether it's, I guess, whether it's the client or whether it's the referral source. Because the more you know them, and it's not anybody who has a legal need. It's not anybody who gets in a car accident. The more specific you get, the easier a million other decisions are. That's what platform you're on. It's what you say. It's what your colors are. It's the tone you take. It's what services you truly provide. Like it all has to come back to that ideal client. Who do you want to work with? You gear everything towards them. That's my number one. Uh, and that's my number two, because you're going to push back on, well, I'm going to lose these cases. No, you're not. Your ideal client is that center of a dartboard. You'll get the one rung out. You'll get the two rungs out. You'll get the three rungs out. And eventually you'll do well enough that you will intentionally turn people down. You don't have to do that on day one, but you can really focus on that core person, whether it's a similar industry, whether it's similar ages, whether it's similar problem, whether it's similar uh, industry, economic status, whatever it is, the more that you know about that person, the easier you will line everything else up for all your firm for everything, because every decision goes back to, does it get me more of those ideal clients? Does it make sense for those ideal clients? Is it what they want to hear? Awesome. I love it. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you.
Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Law and Finance Show, where we talk about the finance and the business side of running a law firm. Now, if you know another law firm, don't be selfish. Make sure you tell them about this show and hit that subscribe button so you get updates whenever we release a new episode.